this week on Back of the Bird, we chat some Bagataway Cup, review training camp, catch up on our weekends, go through the TSN and ESPN photo shoot and media day, little free agent signing, and bring you Brad Gillies. Without further ado, here's episode 25. Take your first ride and run, baby, run. If you want to sign, this is it. I want to give a major shout out to friend of the program, former professional hockey player, Boston Levi, for the intro music. Boston's just released his new EP, Prophecies. So check it out wherever you listen to your music, um, whether it's Apple Music or, or Spotify. Great tunes on there. That was Run, Baby, Run. Um, so without further ado, let's jump into Back of the Bird. Okay, we're back. Episode 25, Back of the Bird, presented by Cottage Springs. I don't have a reference this week. I couldn't think of one off the top of my head. Polly, what's going on? How are we doing? Doing good, man. Um, weekend off of lacrosse, but uh, we we're back at it Tuesday night, man. Just just full bore into training camp and full bore into, uh, you know, lacrosse life. It's great. I love what, it. Uh, so your weekend off, did you do anything? Did you get up to anything? What, what did I, uh, I worked Friday, but lives. yeah, but then I was off Sunday. So obviously went golfing. Yeah. Sneaking, sneaking one where we're, we're recording Thursday night because we got the best producer in the league. He's turning it around tomorrow but yeah i'm gonna sneak out for one last round i think this will be the last outdoor round tomorrow it's no gonna be a high yeah <laughs> if you're a betting man don't put money on that but yeah did you like, just wait so did like, you get did you do anything saturday night you weren't working what you do no, date night I, yeah so i had some uh extended extended family of my wife's come over um we haven't really seen them in like the two years of covid um so they haven't seen max so they came over to had a little lunch and then my mother-in-law stayed over. So yeah, I just kind of hung out with the wife and, and the mom and just a couple glasses of, of rouge and uh, some movies. And, and that was it, man. Kind of, kind of boring, but uh, I, I got, I got something in the hopper this Saturday. Got a big 50th birthday this Saturday. So it'll be a good time. Well, wow. Cause you guys go, do you guys go during the day Saturday? Yes, we got two. So we're two this Saturday, which is nice. Uh, we're, uh 10 to 12 and then four to six so two Ooh, that's good times too yeah great time so i'm um, turn around but at least you're kind of you know wrapped up and then can you know go do something or whatever yeah exactly so and again it's, it's been good man how you doing about, what's going on with you guys what's going dude. on dude i mean first weekend of camp for the tideman i i feel like i'm back to being a human again i'm remembering how to chop it up with the boys like how to keep everyone on their toes, get little subtle chirps out there. It's, uh, it's good. And, and obviously like, I mean, our group's way different, right? We only have, I think we talked, we were talking about it. I think we only have like seven guys who played on the team last year. Um, really? Yeah. Wow. So, um, and only two guys from the expansion draft still kicking around and that's, that's McCray and McArdle. So kind of, uh, kind of crazy that way. So it, a lot of new faces, uh, was calling a lot of guys, buddy and brother, um, for the weekend, but got to know the names, um, a lot of good personalities and man, tell you what riptide this year are going to be a team, but, uh, I might be a little bit biased there, but, uh, it was good to 
good to be around him. Couple, uh, yeah, just just all around good. New coaching staff, like everything top to bottom is new. So it's kind of cool to see um, just how they run practices, how they interact with the guys during drills and stuff like that. So, um, and then while all at the same time they have to evaluate guys. So it's kind of a kind of a cool process to watch. Just I'm all fired up to get there Friday. Well, Friday we do our physicals. I get cleared to run first of all, and then we. Uh, Hopefully I have some good news kind of coming. We're not going to jinx it, but they, uh, they threw the six month tag on me, um, to, to come back. So, um, I don't know, again, we'll see, but it's, uh, we're starting to progress the physio. So things are coming on there, but because I'm on the pup list, you can't go on the floor. So I was all amped to try out my new sticks that are strung up to go throw the ball around with the fellas. And then I get there and they're like, yeah, not going to happen. So, um, next thing you know, I, probably had a four hour chew in. Um, but it was, uh, it was all good. It was fun, fun to be back around the rink and then kind of have that, like, cause honestly we do have like a little bit of like a separate life. It's like two personalities I've got almost, you know, got this, like try to prim and proper job. And then I just go to the rink and get to chop it up with the boys. And then obviously chop it up with you guys, but man, all in all fantastic weekend capped it off with a little Swiss chalet dinner fucking love swiss chalet i got chirped for that by my buddies they call it poor person food but um i love it too what's the go-to there um well i mean when we're not in the holiday season quarter chicken white meat little salad some fries and i mean that bun stands no damn chance because it's getting buried into the chalet sauce like la sauce is unbelievable i take a bath in that stuff if they let me but um yeah and then if we're around the holiday season Pete is my old man is the biggest fan of that festive special. So we would always get the festive special, a little bit cranberry sauce, some, um, some stuffing. So um, yeah, all time. And it's been a good week so far, but been, been in and out of the city. Like I said, had my first physio session. I'm jumping onto BOSU balls. We're doing, you know, we're moving along clear to do all this stuff. So it's uh, and it hasn't torn again. So look at us. We're moving, <laughs> knocking on wood. So that's always a positive. Speaking of, of you know, you said stringing sticks. I appreciate everyone that's reached out about stringing my sticks. I haven't got back to them because again, everyone's in America. So I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait till the season starts and then uh, I'll ship those sticks off because there are one guys in Wisconsin, another guys in Oregon. So I'll be shipping them all over the continental U.S. and and then once I get them all back, I'm gonna give. I think I'm gonna give each one to someone different get them all back and I'll, I'll figure out which one works. I got one, that's one, I got one that's going right now. So I'll keep that yeah, well, one. Well, I mean, if you're talking that, if you're scoring an exhibition games, you gotta, you can't switch sticks. Yeah. Not a big deal. Eh? Not oh, yeah. Paul is an O guy. That gives me so much anxiety. What you just said, <laughs> like ship oh. off sticks to different places, <laughs> see which one works. Like, so uh-uh. I, you see my text messages again. Uh, uh, it's, it's funny. You say like the two, the two personas. Cause we had, we'll just get into it, but we had like the last couple of days were the TSN and ESPN media days. And it was really cool. Shout out to uh, Ashley Docking, Devin Caney. They must have interviewed legit, like almost every player in the league. There were so many guys that are running through it. But again, I think they're going to have some cool stuff for the, the TV and whatnot. But that was one of the questions that kind of came up. And I was like, yeah, I kind of have two personalities. So off the floor is like, little bit laid back and, and relaxed but on the floor is kind of more of a psychopath slash just straight up maniac but yeah no that doesn't that doesn't bother me at all i'll give my six to anybody and just somehow I'll make them work 
Yeah, that's uh, and oh, I, w- I want to give a shout out too because we're getting get a, I feel like we get a lot of messages from a lot of different guys that are involved in this, but the the Milwaukee Muskies there, the, yeah, they, 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 the camp. Yeah, they're chatting uh, chatting to us about getting down to do a do a box camp. So um, that'd be awesome to get down there. They seem like awesome people, and um, yeah. So again, I got a few messages too, like asking to string sticks. Um, so I mean, the bird gang is strong and. I've got a, I've got somebody on my team, um, stringing up a couple. And if, if I like them, I got to, I, I owe them a favor or something. I don't know. We'll arrange something, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, exciting, man. It, we're, it's, things are getting real. Like seeing all that TSN stuff and like how, how fucking sick the media part looks. Yeah. It, it's, uh, it's going to be really cool. I'm excited for this to, uh, to get going. Part of me is like jealous that I can't do it from the beginning, um but part of me is like thank god i didn't have to be walking and put my helmet on with this fucking hairline getting filmed so it's uh it's a blessing in disguise i think but um yeah it's exciting to see that happen i think they're going out west to do it too right they're gonna go get some of the the western guys from what i saw nice Um, yeah i I think the commissioner commissioner sent that out but i didn't um, even think about that that was only eastern guys so yeah it makes sense because there's obviously you know our boy, friend of the pod, Logan Shush, you got best looking guy in the league, Mitch Jones. And wait, wait, we got to talk about <laughs> that is easily the funniest two parts to that is one, the most insane moving pick I've ever <laughs> yeah. seen in a lacrosse game. Legitimate, le- legitimately just like, okay, I'm just going to, I'm just going to run you and try to get this guy to get a shot. And it was hysterical and then the little shove he gives you and you're you can feel your wires cross and that the little lumberjack slash you turn around and do was just i'm surprised you didn't kind of go at him a little bit more because it was a it was a tying goal too yeah i mean that was that was the reason why i couldn't go after him because it was tying. like i'm like we're gonna go in overtime so i'm like even after i gave him the slash i was like that's when the wires uncross i was like oh shit yeah. Look, I'm like, okay, we're good. We're good. Because I was like legit a full like double minor slash like intent to injure. But uh yeah, that's why the wires uncrossed once I slashed them. I got all the rage out. Yeah, yeah, that's good. But uh yeah, we oh and with camp going on, we do want to give a, a big shout out. I just got another little up of packages here from Lion Eyes. Um, we're chatting with them a little bit about trying to add some other players across the league too. Nice. Um, so I think, uh, we're going to try to see if we can even get them in with the league who knows, but, um, yeah, shout out to lion eyes, Dan 25, use that code stuff's great. Um, and if we want, if you ever, if you message me, if you're interested, um, in, in kind of chatting with them, um, uh, or, or putting in bulk orders too, cause I think that's, that's kind of like the best way to do it. We've been talking about that and, um, cause you can get over a hundred bucks, then it's free shipping too, um, on top of a 25% off. They're fucking just giving this stuff away. So um yeah check them out lionizesupplements.com beauty's there too big news across the league one of the biggest mysteries kind of starting fair the guy who scored the goal the last time the trophy was awarded in the nll and has what a thousand points in the league or something is yeah if if not he's damn near close so reese dutch was unsigned free agent you know one week two weeks of camp goes by and He's signed by the Halifax Thunderbirds, a team that is located roughly 5,500 kilometers from where he lives, um, which is quite quite the coast-to-coast flight. But um, 
you know, obviously excited for that. You love to just see guys get, you know, a guy that's that good or, and literally scored the winning goal the last time this happened. Um, signing again. So good for Dutchie. Hopefully things work out there. That Halifax team's getting some players, but, um, but yeah, it's, uh, that's going to be quite the, uh, quite the air miles. He might be able to buy a house with fucking air miles after the season. Yeah, and just after after the season, he has a one way ticket around the world, first class for all the air miles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nine hundred and ninety two points, by the way. So really close to a thousand. Obviously, don't want to jinx it there, but uh, cool little milestone he'll be coming up on uh, at the start of the year. So eight points away from a thousand. If he doesn't get a thousand, he'll have the record for the biggest calves in the league. So you can always hang his hat on that guy. Yeah, he does have absolute fucking meat hooks on his legs there, but. <laughs> Um, why don't we, we did, we, and I was, I guess it must've been you, Polly, that tweeted out from the account there. What's the best chirp you've given or received? Was that you that I didn't send it? So I'm assuming it was you. Who knows? Who it's knows, probably man. a social media guy behind the, yeah. behind the, the man behind the curtain. Um, but we got some hilarious replies. Whoa. Replies. So Donnie, maybe we'll, you want to walk through, we'll pull them up and, and kind of <laughs> chat about some of the funny ones. Yeah. So first one here, uh, from Sean Holmes, Homer. Uh, trainer at the track for anyone that doesn't know beauty. Uh, he got quince- it says coincidental minors with Tim, the surgeon O'Brien. I chirp him. He's supposed to be so tough and I'm five foot, nothing and a hundred, nothing. And he says, quote, I beaten up smaller. And Homer <laughs> said, I shut my mouth and ran to the penalty box. And for, I mean, for the people who don't know who Tim, the surgeon O'Brien is Timmy. O. I mean, I, we, he was on our team in Oakville one of the best teammates, like you're coming out of the room. He's got his fist out if he's not playing and he's got, and when I say meat hook calves, like Dutchie, this guy has actual meat hooks for hands. He's holding his hand out and he's like, all right, like, let's go rock. Let's go rock. Like so fired up. And they literally call him the surgeon because when he used to fight, he would carve up guys faces. So he's uh, one of the most scary humans he got in a few fights in senior when I got to play, but it was uh, that's, a, that's a pretty good chirp. I like that one from, uh, from Homer there. What else we got? What's a, what's on this one was one of my favorites from uh, Mike Triolo it says, yes. I thought trying to stick up for a teammate was a good idea until I heard quote, take it easy. You're Triolo, not Priolo. It says no <laughs> comeback for that one. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I mean, again, just gets buried. Cause it's uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I think I've seen Triolo fight before. I can't, I'm trying to think. But I mean, yeah. he's, he's seven foot seven. So he's obviously going to be okay. Cause he's got the reach, but that is just a, a hilarious trip. Cause obviously Steve Priolo is one of the, you know, one of the toughest guys to, to play and one of the best defenders to play in this game. So I, I was laughing at that one too, Donnie. Yeah. Uh, I like Nick Asello. No, my gloves actually fit pretty well. Thanks. <laughs> Dude, that story <laughs> of, I mean, what, what did he say? It was like Brody Merrill that went up to him after he greased somebody and said, you got loose mitts, bud. Yeah. He said, are those, are those mitts loose or what? And asking if he would fight. And he thought he was asking if his gloves were too big for him. He's actually, no, they fit pretty well. Thank you. Unbelievable. <laughs> um, good one from Sh- uh, Brian Shanahan. I was given the C my second or third year with the Brampton Excelsiors. When we played our first game in Brooklyn that year, Scotty, Psycho McMichael congratulated me. Seemed real sincere and nice, very out of character. Then he added, quote, I didn't know your dad bought the team. (laughs) I think that's my favorite one out of all of them. Like, that is just because it's like, oh, wow, like, this is kind of nice. And then just, boom, (laughs) kill shot. Especially again where, again, I never 
got to see a psycho McMichael play, but he was, I guess, true to the form of that name. So it's kind of like, okay, this guy's like being nice to me. doesn't want to rip my head off. And yeah, you think your buddy buddies with him. Then he just absolutely daggers you right at yeah. the end. Like, Oh God. I'm looking through. First of all, thank you to all the fans, by the way, we didn't mention that, that uh, thanks to everyone who, who responded to these. There's some, uh, some pretty good ones here. I'm trying to just look through them. Right now. There's a couple we can't say. Yeah. There's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is an explicit okay. podcast, but we still keep it. We gotta keep. We gotta have some boundaries. Yeah, somewhere. Yeah, I think the funniest one I ever heard in a game was um, we were in the playoffs, and one of our guys tripped another guy by their name, and the guy said back like, "You know who I am? I don't know who you are." And they had jer- names on the back of their jerseys, and he goes, "It's on the back of your jersey, dummy." And no, the look on the fuck. kid's face was like, it was just like a ghost. It was like. Like what do you say? Yeah, you're speechless from that one. That's uh, yeah. and that, you. I think you said it well, Donnie. When you, I think you tweeted and replied there that it was like sometimes the simple ones are the good ones too, yeah. right? Like, I mean, when Shane Jackson ran by me and just goes, "Nice stick, you fucking dweeb," because I had <laughs> yeah. a side stick. Like that's just. I mean, yeah. it's good. Uh, another good. one here is from uh, Blue Goose Lax on Twitter. He said, "I got this one in Mississauga." Quote, are you guys cold over there having to play in JT's shadow? That's good. Yeah. That's quality stuff. Paulie, what's the what did you ever you ever gotten a good one thrown at you? No, I mean I, I responded to that one because I, I used to hear that all the time too, playing with my brother, just say hey, you're living in your brother's shadow, blah 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 blah. So there's an ongoing joke and, and a couple of people would have got it, but I see I was called Ashley Simpson for a little bit. Cause that was, uh, that was a chirp. She came out with that song living in the shadow. Um, no, I mean, again, most of the time I'm, I'm running, running my job a bit, but <laughs> so I'm usually the one giving it. I, I've had a couple of good ones. I remember one time uh, we were playing, I think it was Rochester. We were playing, uh, and this one actually got me super fired up too. We were playing uh, Toronto and we got into it near the bench and, and Cam Woods just came flying over and he's like, I think this was just when the ALL or one of those, like one of the lower pro leagues kind of just started. He's like, you're going back to ALL, you suck. You're going back. And it just, it got me so fired up and uh, I was just, I was livid, but that was one of the better ones that actually got under my skin, which was, was pretty funny. Uh, I should also mention Dan's uh, contribution to this. Um, this so speaking as Dan Lomas here, once took a penalty in Buffalo, took off my helmet in the box, and a fan sitting on the glass yelled, "Quote Rogaine, sponsor this man!" <laughs> Dude, I was I, I, like, it was one of those things. Like, I, I and I remember it was like a, I think it was like a holding penalty or like a move, like a, like I was trying to set a pick, I think, and like grabbed his stick, and. Like I was so mad, I like in the box, and then as soon as a person buried me like that, like you have no choice but to laugh. Like, yeah, such a high quality bury, right? And there's no coming back from it because it's a valid point. So my helmet went on faster than you've ever seen, right? <laughs> right after that happened, but yeah, we don't have. I think that we don't have time to go through all of them. But again, thank yeah. you to uh, to everybody who reached out and, and answered those, and hopefully we'll have a few more of those kind of uh, conversations going forward, and just like getting everybody involved in the, the bird gang, getting everybody in on twitter yeah no doubt no doubt well we haven't even mentioned it yet but today we got brad gillies on former roommate former teammate for paulie and i um a northman what's that former boss of yours former my former boss the best boss i ever had 
Um, and uh, yeah, and obviously, you know, alumni of Orangeville, just like Donnie too. So we got a lot of connections. I know our listeners do too. We got a lot of fans in Tigerland, a lot of fans in Orangeville. Um, so we're, uh, we're excited for this one. Do you think we should just throw it over to him? What do we think? Yeah, I like it. Okay. Beauty. Awesome. Well, as, as, uh, as they always are, this interview is brought to you by lucky penny media at lucky penny media. We're a full service marketing company without have hefty agency pricing. We understand your brand is everything to you. And when working together, it means everything to us. You're more than a client, you're a partner and a teammate. Our philosophy is simple. You grow, I grow, we grow. Here he is, Brad Barb Gillies. Now we're pleased to welcome on. Well, we tried to get the Gill dog, but he was busy. I think he's still at the Guinness factory. This Oakville, Ontario native, he won two Minto Cups with the Orangeville Northman. Then he went on to play at RIT, where he finished his college career with 27 goals, 70 assists for 97 points in 83 games where he played from 2012 to 15. He was then drafted ninth overall by the Rochester Nighthawks, who are now the Halifax Thunderbirds, where he's still playing today. Welcome to Back of the Bird, Brad Gillies. What's up, buddy? Not much. Thanks for having me on, fellas. What's going on, brother? So, I think, Paul, I mean, we'll start it off right away. We got a big congratulations on the engagement. That's big news. He's tied down. Off the market for good. It's One of the most uh, eligible bachelors in lacrosse. He's done. He's done, folks. One of the most, previously one of the most eligible bachelors in the upstate area, I would say for sure, too. But you forgot to mention. Then I think me right after. Yeah, yeah. And similar handsome levels, too, across the board. But, um, uh, Paul, you forgot to mention. You gave Gildog a little shout out, which I'm sure he'll be absolutely fired up about. But you didn't mention that Brad Gillies is the second fastest Gillies in the family. And I, I wanted to start off. I wanted to get out, get this out of the way. And early. Knew it was coming. Knew it was coming. Hey. And I, I figured we were going to talk about this. Imagine and... if we had video proof of that somewhere. It'd be crazy. <laughs> oh, man. So is there videos of, of both of these matches, Brad? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, I've seen both of them. No, I don't, I don't know if there's video of the first one. Maybe there is. Um, that one is the one that has the heavy asterisks. But uh, so we can start there. That was just in downtown Orangeville. Somehow it came up that me and him were going to race each other. And that's when he started uh, his asterisks right from the start. He, he does this running head start thing that I don't know how he gets away with it, but you just you think that you can catch him even after him doing a bit of a jump start on you. And, and He's deceivingly fast, so you, you can't catch him after that head start. So that first one we did, heavy, heavy asterisks. He, he was pretty much at top speed before I even started. Um, but, but then he's, he's got a long list of other races that I'm sure we can talk about too. The, the, yeah. the second one is the infamous one. Um, Dude, that I'm sure and that's, that's the one we got at K. So we'll, we'll kind of backtrack. So Sean Gillies, brother of Bad Gillies, I'm sure if you're in the lacrosse community, you've, you've met Sean, run into Sean or something. But um, – Sean does this, they got into somehow this race challenging thing and you're not the only one that's raced him. He's raced a lot of other, he's raced other NLL guys. Um, yeah. But he does this thing where, you know, Brad, say Brad kind of explained it pretty well, where, you know, you're say you're on the starting line and then Sean starts, you know, five feet behind and starts running to the starting line. And then you start when he passes the starting line again, I don't know how he, 
he like got that across or gave that gave that the green light but my i mean my favorite part of this is the fact that you guys you know you're in you're in great shape when you're feeling for the second one and it comes down to from what i understand this was on your childhood street that you guys decided to do the, the rematch is that right yeah so we were having our we used to have a, a, a party called Gillapalooza. Hopefully Kenny doesn't listen to this one, but uh, <laughs> when the parents would go out of town to Nova Scotia for a couple of weeks, um, it always ended up uh, having the boys over. And I think this one even lined up with that junior NLL tournament. So we had a bunch of the boys over for, uh, for just a night of, of, of a bunch of cottage springs. So we, uh, it, it gets, to, he's the midnight racers is, is alter ego is, is what he goes by. <laughs> <laughs> right around midnight is when he starts to, to to feel good and and get the get the the confidence going and so a rematch was was to be had there because I I had lost that first one and he was always talking about it always bragging about being the fastest gilly so I said all right let's do this I felt good um, I, I I knew that I wouldn't lose to him again knowing that, that I just have no business losing him in a race but. So sure enough, we get on the starting line at the end of our street. Um, he always goes barefoot. And, and I think it's an advantage. Sometimes you just feel faster barefoot. So he's barefoot in the middle of the street. I got my Nikes laced up nice and tight. <laughs> and we, uh, we're off to the races. This is a legitimate start. He, he didn't do the running start on this one. And, and I'm going and I'm, I'm, I'm ahead of him, but I'm, and I'm putting on the afterburners and I, look over my shoulder and he's still right there. So I try to find an extra gear and when I find that extra gear, I go right over the top of myself and uh, uh, fight it. And he cruises to the finish line as a champ. So that's been our last race. I, I He's two time time winner. I haven't decided if I'm going to go him again. I, I It's a lose lose for me at this point. So I don't know. I think you got to complete the trilogy. That's just the, it's the heavyweight battle. It's gotta, it's gotta be something that happens maybe on the wedding day. That'd be a nice little cap off in front of everyone. High pressure scenario. So yeah, but since then he's, he's, he's got a pretty good hit list. I think, I don't know, he's like 10 and one, or he's got maybe a couple losses, but he's got some impressive uh, NLL guys with, with some wins under his belt, some with that, some without. So he's uh, definitely underrated speed. Yeah. Unbelievable. Why don't we, uh, so what's, I guess, uh, what do you got here? I'm looking through Paulie's show notes, Paul, you want to take the reins on the next, uh, you got a couple questions for him there. Lined up. Yeah, no, I just, you know, we could like to keep it a little light before we dive into the heavy stuff here, Bradley. I mean, I think he told me this before, but just kind of sticking with the Gill dogs. I think he gave it the nickname, but where's the nickname Barb come from? So Barb is, it, it came from, Brad backwards is Darb. And uh, there was a guy at RIT, Brad Conlon, um, who was the goalie at RIT when Sean got there. I think he was a senior when Sean was a freshman. And uh, they called him the Darb. And um, that was his nickname all, all the way through. So then he started calling me Darb. And then Darb turned into Barb. And um, Barb just kind of ran with it. And it's really stuck. So especially around Orangeville, that's where my, my nickname is Barb pretty pretty fully there um, <laughs> elsewhere it, it's it's changed everywhere else but barb is i'm still known as barb in orangeville that's fantastic yeah that's unbelievable you, you diving into any fantasy football right now yeah yeah i'm pretty heavy into it got a number of teams but i'm 
I don't know. I hope you're not trying to do like the big cat prank of, of here in my team. And then, <laughs> no, <you're> no, <laughs> no, no one fucking cares, <laughs> but uh, yeah, okay, that, do it. I, I love it. How, uh, I mean, that's a good little kind of segue too. like, you're, you know, if anyone knows Brad Gillies, he's a big competitive sports guy. You love, you love watching your teams. How did you, how did you become a diehard Buccaneers fan? How did that even happen? Um, it, my, my grandparents uh, used to have a condo um, in uh, what is it? The, the West coast of Florida there. So we used to make trips down there and there'd always be bucks gear everywhere. They used to bring presents back around Christmas time, maybe some like stuff, stuff, uh, bucks players, things like that. So it kind of started as a young age when, when they were doing those trips and, and going and visiting them. And then you're, you're kind of neutral at, at a young age, as far as your football team. So once I, uh, kind of got some of their gear I just kind of ran with it loved their logo loved their colors all that kind of stuff as a kid and just stuck with them so I mean the the day Brady signs with the Bucks is that is how how happy were you it was insane it's like when you when you started seeing all the free agency stuff and the these are here's a list of teams and then it's like okay it's actually starting to make sense that he may actually sign with us and then he does and then the domino effect of all the guys that come after that it was it was so fun last year, man. It was uh, last year being like in COVID and through everything and getting to follow that, that playoff, uh, that playoff series was, was pretty incredible. And it was kind of just when things were starting to open up. So we were, we were getting together as like friends, like at each other's houses and watching those games. We were all a bunch of bills fans here. So we had the bills and the bucks one Saturday playing a playoff game. It was kind of like just getting back to normal and, and getting to hang with each other and then to top it off watching those kind of games. So it's going to be a fun time to always remember. Were you, uh, were you, were you still a fan when they won their first championship? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I remember, uh, I remember like how old would you have been? Uh, I think like 12, 13, something yeah, around there. Like elementary schoolish. Yeah. I remember when they, they played the Eagles in the semifinals and I can still remember I had my mom, I, I was playing like Oakville Rangers hockey, double A and um, we're playing a game on right in that, what is January, Saturday or something. And I had my mom out in the car listening to the, the Eagles Bucks game on the radio. And she was like telling me the score. And I can't believe that she did that. Like, and I can't believe <laughs> I even had her doing that as a kid. Yeah, um, Go like, sit in the car. <laughs> Bucks are beating the Eagles. And that was like, they were playing McNabb. It was a big, uh, they were underdogs, I think. And so I can, I can still picture her. I think it was at Georgetown or something. And she was listening to the game on the radio and relaying me the score here and there. That's amazing. Yeah. I can't believe you just drove her mom into the car. Just wasn't allowed you to watch her playing hockey. <laughs> she wasn't watching me play hockey that night. She was dad. Dad, dad she's probably happy. Like, yeah, you know what? I'd rather listen to the game than watch this guy angle bend <laughs> around. <laughs> yeah. That's good. So well, why don't we uh, let's let's get into the cross side of things, man. Let's I mean, might as well kind of start from from square one. Who who gets a stick and in, in kind of, you know, obviously your brother played as well. Um, but who gets the, the stick in your guy's hand and how do you start playing? Uh, it's all my dad. Um, he played growing up in uh, in Mississauga all the way. He was never shy to, to show us his newspaper clippings of of some of those scores <laughs> that, that he'd have or never would go to my grandma's house. He'd, he'd break those out, but he, uh, he played in a cool time um, in Mississauga growing up where 
uh, it wasn't just like it was one Mississauga team. It was like every little burb of uh, Mississauga had their own team, Port Credit, Clarkson, um, Aaron Mills. They all had teams and it was a tunnel of cross players in Mississauga then. So they would all play like a big cup, all that kind of stuff. So he played in a, in a cool time and, and played all the way up. And so um, once I, once he had me and my brother, he put a stick in our hands right away and kind of always just did the lacrosse thing and lacrosse in the summer, hockey in the winters, but it was always lacrosse kind of for him. So then you, I mean, f- working through mine or everything like that, and then you end up, you're playing in the home t- for the hometown Oakville buzz junior B. How many, how many games did you play? Like, did you play a full season or no? Yeah, I played my, my rookie year. I played uh, with the buzz that full season. Um, and then I played like four games my second season, but um yeah, it was, it was fun getting to play for the buzz that year. My dad coaching was, was on the bench that year. Uh, some other great Stu Brown was another coach. Um, and we had a great team. I think we finished first place that year. Then, uh, just lost to Mimico in the second round, but, um, that was fun. It was, it was cool to play in Oakville, play with a bunch of the guys that you grow up playing with. And then it was also fun still being an old guy at that time and, and getting to put the ball in the back, maybe make the power play. That was the last time. So, yeah. That's good. And well, and then, I mean, Paulie's got the, the question yeah. kind of here. How did you, so yeah, you play that, you play that one year and then how did you, how did you get to Oakville or not Oakville, sorry, Orangeville? Um, so Sean had already been, um, and gone to Orangeville at that time. He would have been, uh, so my, when my second year going into Orangeville, he was, uh, his fifth year. And I think he went there as a, a second year as well. So he had already been in Orangeville for three years now. Um, so he had already kind of opened the door um, for me to get there. And so that year, I remember technically I had to kind of try out for Burlington and Orangeville and I was going to both tryouts and, and with the affiliation in Burlington, um, they just didn't have the spots really. They had a really veteran group. And um, so I, I didn't end up not making Burlington right then just because they just didn't really have the spots and Orangeville offered me a spot and, and, and that allowed me to kind of get released up to Orangeville and kind of the rest is history there. Who was, who was coaching both those teams at that point? Who was coaching Burlington? Who was coaching? Uh, uh, I think it's Cardi and those guys. Um, and, uh, Burlington. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that, and, so that would have been like Danny Max last year and that, that whole team. And so they had a, an awesome team that year. Um, yeah. With a ton of talent. So, it was a, a really good team too. And it just kind of worked out where Orangeville kind of had a few more open spots. And uh, so as in Maddie Sawyer was coaching there, he, he coached me all four years. Um, so that's when that kind of the door opened. Beauty. And then obviously you go there and then uh, have a little bit of success, I guess. Eh? So what was it? 2009 and 12 or what were the, what were the two mentors you won? Yeah. 2009, 2012. So I'm good. That first one. I'm good. Fucking journalist. Yeah, that like I said, Sean was a fifth year. Um, so getting to go up there every weekend with him and and it, it really made us really, really close. And uh it kind of allowed me to to really, I don't know, come of age a little bit, getting to hang out with those guys. They um on the weekends after the games on Friday nights is we'd we'd all kind of go out together. Um and then Saturdays go to suitors pool and the Sean and Jay Nets and, and all these kind of guys that are the top guys on that team. And so it was really, really cool for me to be able to hang out with those guys at, at a young age. And 
um, experience, just being a, a junior player and, and, and having the, the bonds that you kind of get and, and being an out of town player and getting to experience that they, they just really welcome you there and, and make it a, a pretty enjoyable experience. And then, but like you said, so we, we go on and, and, and win the Minto that year. Uh, so that was pretty crazy that, 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 the uh, playoff series was against Brampton and we did the reverse sweep that year. Um, and Brampton was absolutely loaded with, uh, a ton of guys and uh it was just an absolute battle i think we played them like 13 times in in a month and a half um after the seven game series and i think uh i can't remember if it was a, oh yeah, it was a best of three in the minto and so i actually got we we go down three nothing in uh, in that brampton series i played games one two three and then i ended up getting healthy game four and that's when we go on the streak and so we reverse sweep them we win four in a row and and then I kind of stay they obviously kept that lineup going so i'm and it's understandable i was a 17 year old first year junior guy so it was uh it wasn't like it was the wrong move but um so i go for a while not really playing and then uh we go to the minto i got to play in that edmonton game that that kind of they kind of get guys through it it was just kind of that game where the guys that haven't been dressed so much get to play because they're just a little bit overmatched and then uh we actually go into the, the Minto finals. Again, we're playing Brampton and Damon Edwards tears his ACL in game one. And it obviously devastating for Damon. I, being a guy that got traded over as a fifth year from Beaches, he uh, saw it obviously got it for Damon and, and it, it was a, a really tough thing for him. He tries to play through it game two, um, but it's just kind of obvious. He's just kind of on one leg and, and not really able to, to power through it. So. I can still remember um, going into game three, my dad um, pulled me aside, like in the driveway, he said, like, I'm pretty sure you're going to be the one that, that goes in here tonight. Like you have to be ready. And um, he's just like taught me a little bit about defense at that time. Just like here, these are how you're going to have to play these picks that these guys are doing. Like, and just like, even just like basic positional stuff. Cause at that time I'm still a 17 year old. It's just a, a pure offensive guy going into Orangeville and, and really hadn't, refine my defensive game at that time so he kind of gave me a heads up like listen you're going in probably tonight like based on on how this uh is looking sure enough I go in game three of the Minto finals um and so I hadn't played really in like a month and, and got to play in that game played pretty well I thought and we ended up winning obviously the Minto in that game so it was uh, a pretty cool experience to, to get to play in that final game and uh and win that with my brother win that in Brampton and, and that kind of really set my my defensive career up a little bit after that you got so you got like fucking you got reverse or no you got business you got reverse biz nasty where you you got thrown from the o door to the d door when he was that guy went from d to o so it's uh and then i mean from that so then on you just play d going forward like tranny d kind of transition d the whole kind of rest of the way yeah um we kind of made this we'd always orangeville had always been like a the only team in the league going five out the back door, five up and just kind of pure transition. Like when we, they started those Minto runs, the first two, we were pure five guys out the D four, five, five guys up and just transitioned everybody had all two way guys that next year, we kind of got away from it a little bit and started transitioning to a little bit more OD and uh, still kind of trying to do a little bit of emphasis on, on some, some transition, but we had guys that like, like Noble, Hellier, Jonesy, Pat Saunders that next year that 
really, we want them out there on offense every single time. We don't need them wasting their time on defense. And so that's when we kind of made that transition. And so guys like myself, Jay Nobes, um, or Jason Noble and Harnett, that's when we kind of really turned into pure D guys for Orangeville. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that. So, but you started like that first year, you were still playing like a bit of O or you were doing the kind of out the back door playing offense? No, all year, everybody pretty much like. Okay. Everyone was going out the back door, then just playing, standing, playing. Yeah. They used to put like uh, the roster sheets up and it'd be three lines of five guys. Wow. Um, and this would be your line. You'd go yeah. out the front back door, transition up. And usually they'd have like two guys maybe that would be just pure offensive guys. So like some nights like Jonesy would just be a offensive yeah. guy and he'd pull one guy from each line off every shift. But for the most part, we were all just back door up the floor that's awesome was that the last team that like did that i mean you guys would know better than i do like i can't think of one that's ever done that since then i would I remember, say uh, we uh, say, uh yeah go ahead Polly. i just was agreeing i say yeah yeah we i remember <laughs> where in burlington with cardi if we ever because we would obviously go like od like my second uh my second last year, my last year. But then if we had played bad the game before he would like his punishment to like the O guys was like, all right, we're going, we're going lines. We're going five guys and you got to play both ends. Like, and then we would just get rinsed and it's like, all right, we're going back to OD. Never mind. But, I showed you guys. Yeah. <laughs> you guys. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I would say, fun. yeah, I would say that's the last one to do that for sure. I mean, all the teams I played for like once in a while, you'd have like an all tranny line like out the back door but you would still always have like od um and even like when i first started playing the only thing we even came close to that was like we would have like an a b c where it was basically like a were offense b were two ways and c were only d guys so that was even like the only thing that was like kind of close to three lines so that's interesting i never knew that was uh that was the way maddie sawyer ran it yeah that's how they did it i think for those um first couple first couple too and then that kind of got them over the hump against six nations i think was just so much transition just like transition yeah. down the road and he's a he's a bit anytime buddy that played with him um or for him even still with, with senior um oakville he's all about he'll he'll tell guys right before you go out hey a b c you guys are, are going up the floor this time no matter what just to try to spark some transition so he's definitely a big believer as you you see it from the toronto rock whenever you see them play they're always pushing the pace and it kind of stemmed, I think, from the success he saw um, out of those teams. For sure. So then 2012, so like, I guess like three, whatever, three, four years there. So you guys go back to the Minto. Where was where was that Minto? Uh, that one was back in Ontario again, too. Okay. Um, in uh, Whippy. Okay, nice. Yeah. So take us, take us through that year. Yeah, so that was my fifth year. And uh, – Again, it was a three-team race really that year. Us, Whippy, Six Nations, Whippy hosting it. Um, so they're obviously getting in right away. But uh, yeah, we we ended up finishing third place I think that year. Um, we lost a bunch of games early when when all our guys were still at school. So we kind of had to really face an uphill battle to kind of get a good playoff seed. And then uh, once we get in, um, we kind of go on a really dominant run. I think we went four-one, four-one against Whippy and Nations and. These were all battles of games, one goal, two goal games, but we end up coming up out on top of all of those. And so I always thought that was, it was a really, really impressive run just because of the quality of teams that we were playing, but we 
kind of dominated them a little bit, at least by the, by the scoreboard and by the four, one kind of series results. So that's, uh, and, and the big reason too, is we, we obviously had a ton of talent, but both of these, uh, Orangeville runs don't happen without Rosie and, and D work kind of that net. They're just, okay. they were, that was- they were lights out. It, it, you could do kind of, you can make so many mistakes on defense cause they were kind of coming up, um, and pick up the slack anytime that you made a mistake. So they both let us. And, and again, D Ward was insane that year as a fifth year. I think we, we had some, some great players, J, Jeremy Noble, Jason Noble, a, a big trade for us that year was Mitch Jones. He came over from Brampton and, and really kind of made us have a, a huge start on the left side. So those, uh, those guys really took, took us over the top, but it was definitely D Ward. I think he, he got MVP at that Minto. And so we went I think we went undefeated in that Minto and ended up beating uh, Whippy lost, got upset to Coquitlam in the semis. So we got to play Coquitlam in the, in the finals and, and handled them pretty good in that, that two game series. No, it's, I mean, didn't we play you in the first round that year? We didn't even get a mention Burlington, not even a single shout out. <laughs> yeah. I think that best of five went, went pretty quick. That was the quickest three games of my life. I think I remember the first I think we, I think it was like 10, three, 12, two, and then 10, one, we literally had five goals in, or whatever, two, two games, I guess. But it's uh, was it a best of three then? Or was it five? five? But yeah, we like to the point where, man, like you're playing against this defense too. And it was like, you couldn't get inside. No one wanted to get inside. And then you're trying to score from the outside on D ward. And it was just like, it's not even a point in, in trying to make it happen but that's hilarious he just Eddie, didn't, I, I just didn't looked it up acknowledge. i just looked yeah. it up uh 14 to 3 10 to 2 and 13 to 5 <laughs> yeah <laughs> running not that the last best game. showing <laughs> gave him a run in that last game you were just picking up you're just picking up steam you guys ran I, out of time i you know what i think we usually we get hot in that game three zone but it just uh i couldn't, <laughs> couldn't pull that's, that you might have had us. that's what i'm thinking but uh what I think, okay. So before we kind of move into, um, into school and stuff for you, but if I know this is kind of part of, again, we've talked about it. Part of the reason we wanted to start this, the whole podcast is to kind of like give, just give an, a little bit of a look into junior and like these cities and, um, and the different things that kind of work. But I think one of the coolest things, um, just knowing all these guys that obviously have played in these different cities or teams that have won a lot, is the culture and it, it bleeds into kind of who all the guys are now and expecting to win, you know, settling for nothing less and, and being extremely competitive when it comes to lacrosse. I think it's in your blood at that point. What, how would you kind of like, maybe if you can try and describe like what that Orangeville Northman, you know, what that felt like to you and like what it was like to put the Jersey on and what the culture was like there. Yeah. Um, it was, it was incredible. I think, it, it, it's too fast. It, it's the on the floor practice stuff and the off the floor stuff. So on the floor, um, you just, you really worked, worked your balls off there. He, uh, he, he sets the tone. Maddie Sawyer did there where it's just anything less than like a hundred percent is cliche. It's just not tolerated, but, and you're, you're a little bit fearful. If you don't like you're, you're going to get reamed out. He's, he's kind of one of those coaches where you always felt like his eyes were on you. So you had to kind of give that hundred percent and it kind of really inst- helped instill that kind of mentality in me that I've always taken everywhere else is just working as hard as you possibly can in practice, just because of what it does later on and, and, and what it does for the game. So on the floor, we, we worked really, really hard, especially at the start of training camp, things like that. Um, as 
we got into the season, we always never really practiced all that much, which I always thought was a bit of an advantage for us. We just kind of really stayed fresh and just relied on three games a week. We didn't really need to practice at that point, but the, the start of the, the tone at uh, training camp and things like that was, was, was really, really tough. So that's the first part. Um, and then off the floor, the, the culture that's there is just, just amazing. Those guys, the guys that are from Orangeville, obviously just, just bleed silver and black. It's, it's something that they're raised in. Um, but it was always cool for, for us out of towners and how much they welcomed us and made us a part of that family. Um, just really big on guys staying up there and going out with the team and, and, and really bond in that way. Um, and I think we all know how much of an importance that plays on the role when you're going to battle for that guy. So that was, uh, that was really, really cool. I mean, there's, there's so many families that, that just took me in throughout my four years. I kind of switched up different families um, every year and they, they would be the first to offer their place for, for you to stay the night and then be cooking your breakfast the next morning and making sure everything was okay and, and uh, all set for the weekend, doing your laundry, all that kind of good stuff. So that was uh, the, the really cool part for me, the, the being able to come in from out of town and, and, and get welcome to that culture. And then it just, it becomes such a part of your life. I think those, those four years in Orangeville, I've, I've really identified myself as, as a Northman kind of forever, I think just from those four years. Um, so it really becomes such a big part of your life, going to the Bunny Barn, playing in front of a couple thousand fans here and there, um, those playoff series against Nations, just the intensity of, of those and, and the magnitude that you felt in those games just, just really made it such a, a big part of your life. So they just do a really good job of, of, of making it such a big, a big thing there. Do you remember your first uh, Orangeville milk? Uh, I, I, I don't even know how big of a thing they were there. I feel like Rosie really started blowing those up like later on. I don't know. I, okay. Okay. I, I can't remember us like being huge rum and Cokes guys growing. I guess, I think, I guess we were, but I don't know. It wasn't like it was the, the biggest strength there at that time. I, I, I can't remember it like specifically. I love All right. it. That's um, so you're, I mean, you're conflicted. You're, you don't know which Ville is the real Ville, Oakville, Orangeville. You're, you're, you gotta be sitting on the fence for your whole life trying to figure it out. You got you guys sitting on the fence. Here. I know. Yeah. yeah just please hear it. Here. Let's hear it. Let's settle the debate. <laughs> so I know we're going to play. I don't put Brad in a tough spot right away. I know where my allegiance lies. I just can't. We don't have to hear about it. No, don't, <laughs> don't do that to him. Um, okay, so I mean, after that, I, and I guess it probably would have been like during that. Little known fact about Bradley: you started your school career with the Laurier Golden Hawks. How? Cool. What? So you went there? Was it just one year you went there? Yeah, just one year. And dude, I remember. So we were actually at the uh, the Chiefs banquet and. Uh, Burlington Chiefs banquet at the end of the year, whatever, everyone's kind of having their drinks and, you know, giving the awards out for the year. And, and, Ken, and Kenny was involved. Um, I, I, Kenny was around or something. I don't know what was going on. Somebody had signed something, but anyways, I, this envelope like landed on my table and I like grabbed it and I thought it was like a, like a raffle prize. And it ended up being your signed transfer papers to RIT, like fully filled out. And so that's a, uh, that was kind of the first, I mean, I'd, I'd heard your name and obviously played against you, but that was like the first, uh, the first moment of really realizing who Brad was. So how did you like, how did that process go from like deciding you were going to leave Laurie and how did you, and was RIT like, cause of Sean, Sean went there or how'd that work? 
Yeah, that was a, a big part of it. Um, I, I love going to Laurier. I, I had a good time there. Um, went to school there with a bunch of my high school buddies and the lacrosse, we were one of the worst teams in Kufla. So that didn't That's help. That's saying something. Yeah, we were tough. I think we were last place, I think, or maybe second last. I think we beat uh, Laurentian was our, was our big win. Um, but just uh, kind of knowing I, I, I wasn't really fully beating my potential, I think, being there, playing lacrosse there. And, and I kind of just remember one night um, messaging Alex Krep out of the blue. So he was, uh, he would have been a junior at that time, just saying, hey, do you think I can come to RIT? And he's like, yeah, 100%. And so he kind of got the ball rolling. He tells my brother that, that I kind of just messaged him. And, uh, and my dad gets the message over my, my, or my brother gets the message over to my dad. And he just takes off running with it and just kind of really gets the ball rolling for me there and, and doing all the paperwork, financial aid. He was, he was fired up for, for that. And then, uh, yeah, then I kind of just made the switch and it was definitely one of the best moves I've made in my entire life. It was something that I think changed me as a lacrosse player, um, gave me the, the best friends I'll have for my life. And, and just really, obviously now I'm living in Rochester. So it was uh, a pretty nerve wracking switch. I was, I was comfy at Laurier. I was, I was happy with what I was doing, but I knew there was kind of something a little bit more I could be. So it was a, a tough decision when I did pull the trigger, but obviously I'm thrilled I did it. So like there was no, you had no other schools like there was the states ever on the the board before you go to Laurier or it's just like, yeah, no, I did the, I did the edge thing. Um, and I had kind of gotten some looks and, and I think that that time I was an attackman. Um, and I, I took a visit at Bucknell. Um, and there was just some other lower end schools, I guess that were looking at me. And I, I guess I maybe didn't get the looks that I, I thought I, I wanted or what I wanted to, I, I wanted in order to make that kind of jump to the NCAA. So that's when I kind of just shifted gears and thought, okay, I really want to go to Laurier. I, I, I love the majors that they have there and I got my buddies that'll be going there. So I just kind of shifted gears um, towards that and kind of put the, the NCAA thing in the rear view mirror. Um, so that's where it kind of was at that time. And then, uh, I mean, we'll kind of dive on, dive into this, but then like, is NLL and stuff like any of this on your radar at this point, or is it kind of like, Hey, I'm going to go to Laurier, you know, you win that last mental and then obviously you go to RIT, but like, is, is that kind of, is that in your rear view, like NLL, anything like that? Or is like, I'm just going to play a couple of years and then shut her down. No, no. I always had that all in my mind. Okay. Okay. Going, um, just being a part of those Orangeville teams. And, and I had a pretty big role. I thought on, on some of those teams as, as I got older. And so, and then seeing those guys make the jump to the NLL kind of made it always known it was something that I think I could do. Okay. But I didn't know going, kind of going there was going to delay that for a while. I had already done the, the fifth year of high school. I had already then done a year at Laurier. And then I was going to start my, my four years at that RIT, I think as a 20 year old. So that uh, I knew it would delay it, but ultimately kind of make me better for it probably in the end more NLL ready kind of when I was going to come out. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, and then obviously you get to play like a little bit of senior, right? That helps a little bit too. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Right after junior, you kind of get to play with all that I got to play in Kitchener, I think was my first year or two was playing with the purple. I think they're the Kodiaks at that time. So I was playing there for the first couple of years. And then, uh, 
and then got traded over to Oakville and got to play with all the Orangeville guys again that, that are all there. And so doing that for a few years definitely let you know that you're kind of, you have the ability to kind of play at that next level if, as long as you're, you're playing at a high level in that senior league. For sure. And then, so let's, let's get into, uh, let's get into that now. So when they obviously say like, you, you always kind of wanted to do that, but blah, blah, blah. when did like drafts coming up, you talking to teams, like take us through kind of the draft process, like who are you talking to? Did you think you're going to go ninth overall or like take us through that whole thing? Um, I don't think I talked to anybody that I can remember. <laughs> um, I didn't go to the combine or anything like that. I knew, I knew I, I had a chance of going at least first two rounds. I would say I, it, the draft class of my year was absolutely loaded. So I knew I wasn't going anywhere near top six, anything like that. I don't know if you, that's that, or that, uh, that draft is ridiculous. That's when stats, Thompson, Westberg, um, Hossick, Riley O'Connor kind of, it's, it's just a really good class. So I had, uh, I think uh, Toronto and, and Roch were sitting around that nine ten spot. And I think those were both kind of good fits. Obviously I was playing with, with Oakville. Um, and so a lot of familiarity with those guys and then living in Rochester at the time. Um, after I left RIT, I was um, coaching there for a year. So I was in, in Rochester coaching at RIT. So there was some uh, parallels there. So I think Rochester uh, made a trade, I think to, to get that ninth pick. Um, I think they jumped like three or four spots or something like that. And when I saw that, that's when I kind of had an idea that maybe that could be me there. Um, and it ended up working out. Unreal. Well, yeah, let's, I want to do a little backtrack for a second though. I don't, as I, I don't want our friends in tiger country to be mad at us because I think, you know, I, nervous. Yeah, we, I could see that I could see the look in Brad's eye, but it's, <laughs> you know, I, one of the, one of those programs, I think obviously like as Canadian guys, like, it's almost like you just, if you, even if you don't go there, you just kind of inherently become a fan of the program. Cause like all of your buddies are playing there, um, wherever it might be like what, I mean, you guys always had good teams. Maybe walk us through a couple of the years, like the memories of on-field stuff. And then we can, we can ask you a couple maybe off-field questions as well. But what, uh, so I get, did you do four, did you do, did you do four years after Laurier there? Yeah, so I got to – that Laurier year didn't count towards anything, so I got to do four years. Um, so I got to come in as a transfer into RIT and, and move right into that famous house you were talking about last week, um, Wilkie's Coachwood Lane House. And so yeah. that was cool. I, I got to move in. Um, Alex Krepasek's living there. Jordan McIntosh was just finishing up his, uh, his degree, so I think he was doing the first trimester there. Um, then there's Kyle Ackman and Alistair Warren all living there. So – I got to move right into that house with those four guys. I had to spend some time in the, in the rolly basement there for the first. Did you, time. you were in the bunker. Yeah, I did. I did my first, cause we did three trimesters, right? Three, three of them there. So that first one I had to, I had to be down there cause Jordan was still living with us and he was going to move out once the, the NLL season happened. So he, uh, so I had to do that first little bit um, down in that dungeon. So it was, it was tough times. It was scary. I remember just, being down there trying to do some study and I was getting overwhelmed by like how hard school was. I thought at that time it was like a lot harder than Laurier and being down in this basement, like with my lamp on and it was, <laughs> I had a sheet up that was just kind of blocking the, the, the two walls um, to kind of make it a full square. So it was a tough start, but I'm glad I stuck it out. Yeah. 
And, and well, and, and then walk, I mean, walk through the teams. Like I remember which, uh, which year was it for you guys that you, uh, that you guys played Steve, was it Stevenson? Yeah. So, so our first year, um, we lost the quarterfinals against the Tufts. Um, and I remember right after that, Alex Krep said to me like, Hey, like, I think you guys could win a national championship. Like you're going to, you're going to win a national championship over your, your career. And at that time I hadn't even like, I don't remember, I remember going there. I wasn't even like in the realm of possibilities or like, you kind of, you don't, you go to a school, if you go to Maryland, you go to those schools, you're, you think, all right, I'm competing for national championship. I hadn't really even thought about that yet. We'd have, we'd had success and things like that, but it's a whole nother ball game when it's actually like, okay, you're going to be the one going and trying to compete for this. So that next year we ended up going all the way um, to the finals and playing Stevenson in Philadelphia and absolute crazy game. We went down, I think like eight, one in the first quarter, we're like, holy shit, we're about to get blown out in the national championship. Like how embarrassing and, and all that stuff. We, we call timeout, we do that huddle. It's like, get it together, boys. Um, but we ended up coming back. We go up by, we're up by three going into the, into the fourth quarter and end up losing 15, 13. So that one's staying still. It's a tough one to swallow. We, uh, we were so close um, and the closest I ever got. So we, uh, we lose in the finals that year. Then my next two years, we, uh, we lose in the semifinals, semifinals, both games to Tufts and both undefeated number one team in the country. We lose at home to Tufts both those years. So they were, honestly, it's a little bit easier to swallow because those teams were just incredible. These Tufts guys were just monsters. They're division one size kids that um, were just absolute freaks that we just didn't have. We were all Canadian kids that hadn't really seen a weight room until we got to RIT and, and at that time was still changing the culture of trying to buy into that weight room at the same time. So we, uh, we had some tough, tough outings against those guys just because of the athleticism they had, we had the skill that could match them, but their athletes were just too much for us. So it's a little bit easier to swallow those ones. It's the Stevenson one that, that will always sting because we had that one. I think we were the better team too. So, but yeah, a lot of success and it was, it was an amazing time obviously to have all that success and do it with, a bunch of Canadian guys and and he said they, what we kind of built there kind of I, I think helped lead to, to what they've done now but the uh the Canadian now every year is just more and more Canadian guys on the team so it's it pretty cool so with that so would you have been there when I would have done my visit I guess I think I so yeah because we went uh, it was it was when Coburn was in that little like townhouse yeah, I'm pretty sure I, I missed it, actually. I think this you probably would have been in grade 11, maybe doing that visit, and I would have been in grade – or actually probably grade 12 when I was in grade 13, and so I went oh, okay. there a little bit after. I think yeah, when you did that, the visit. Well, I think I, I did the NAS game. I went down to the NAS game, um, which is, I mean, always, I from what I understand, a pretty big rivalry, at least, like, kind of in town, right? Yeah, it used to be a huge rivalry like when uh, – early 2000s everything it was and even towards the, the start of mine it was a, a, a gigantic rivalry but our we've kind of really gotten a lot better than them unfortunately and it's kind of hasn't really made too much of an exciting rivalry anymore but they used to be the, the top team in division three and they, they they used to win a couple and so it used to be a huge rivalry but um yeah the, the recruiting visits i think are, are, are what sealed the deal on so many of our canadian recruits too i think when some of these guys come down and, and experience kind of the culture that we have there as far as a bunch of really great upstate guys, but all these Canadians that are just having a blast there. It's, it's 
it's our biggest recruiting tool. I think that's how we got a guy like Ryan Lee, a guy like Alistair Warren comes and goes and visits Macintosh and McCray and my brother at their house. And he signs in the dotted lines right after, I think that weekend. So uh, yeah. we couldn't lock Lomas up, but we were close. Yeah, I was, uh, I think I, I paid my housing deposit. And I was ready to be a tiger. And, but that, I mean, that visit was all time or just, you know, all these guys that I kind of grew up watching like Mackie and, and whatever, you know, Creppy, all these guys that played in Burlington too. And so much fun, like an all time. I mean, at one point in the end, at the end of the night, there's everyone dumps all their beers on the kitchen floor and um, three or four guys grab broomsticks and whoever walks through the kitchen, if they can stay on their feet while getting slashed with the broomsticks, like they can kind of get out of there, but it's, uh, it was, uh, it was all time. And that was nothing to do with just lacrosse. That was just all people at the party. And it was, uh, it was quite the time, man. But, and then, I mean, like you said, there's just an absolute roster of beauties across the board, but, um, Wilkie will be happy about the, the shout out for, he texted me, he said he was all rattled. We were chirping the Canadian embassy. So hopefully he's. <laughs> yeah, I got to give one on that. So my, I remember my freshman year, we, uh, it's just like a Friday night. We're all getting ready. And out of nowhere, you hear Alex Krep in the bathroom, just let out this, the, the loudest squeal you've ever heard. <laughs> like doing his like dramatic thing, noises that he does. We rush in there, he's butt naked and, the shower's on, but like the knob had exploded off. So it was like a fire extinguisher, water just shooting out of this, out of this thing. And he's like holding his hands up against it, trying to stop. He's like slipping all over the place, butt naked. And we're in there. Like I remember me and Alistair come in trying to like, we don't even know what to do. Like we're just like, <laughs> luckily Kyle Ackwin's a little bit more mature than us. He's like, goes runs down, shuts the water off. But if he wasn't there, I don't know what we would have done if we would have tried to tape something up over it or what but he was just of course and he, he makes it a little bit more dramatic uh crap does and so it was it was pretty funny i mean yeah i've been i've been really diving into doing the reruns of seinfeld lately and i mean crep is kramer it's i mean kramer larry david hybrid like just so spastic and um yeah, it's, it's all time but let, so why don't we uh so you finish up obviously like you said we walked through like the draft a little bit walk through maybe you know kind of your first year in the league did you notice like you know a substantial change like was it was it a quick pace like something that you you felt you needed to adjust to or that you were ready for um no I I, I took a little bit of time um that first year I, I spent a, a good amount of time on the practice roster I think I played seven games that year um played the first couple and I and I think I closed out the year with four or five games in a row um and so it took a little bit of time to get comfortable. It's, it's, it's a tough one to just jump into, especially as a D guy. Um, there's just, it's a whole nother level of offensive uh, talent that you're just, you really got to prepare for. And it, I think it takes years a little bit. You really got to kind of get comfortable out there. The communication, all that kind of stuff is, is really something that comes with time. So it, uh, my first year, like I said, I, I, I got comfortable in that at the end. And, and that's when you kind of really, once you get comfortable then you can start pushing the ball a little bit and, and, and doing stuff on that side of the floor as well as the love it. That's unreal. Paul, you got anything for him? I've been hogging him. No, I love the hog. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> I love you hogging him. And I, I don't mind the hog either. I guess. Too. <laughs> um, well, take us, take us through that, that first year. Um, Cause like we had, we had a pretty loaded team, like pretty veteran team too. Right. Like obviously yeah. I was there and, you know, and then you got Haas who went, who went, third or second overall but it's a pretty like veteran laden team like just even kind of coming into that that culture that dressing room 
Yeah, I mean, the whole defense were, were all guys that had just pretty much won three NLL championships in a row. So coming into that group, um, you, you learned a ton, but it, it's a tough one to, to crack into because these guys are so experienced. Um, and you guys had such a kind of a tight group that you guys had obviously been through the trenches um, of, of an NLL championship. So it was pretty cool to, to get to come into that locker room um, and, and get to learn off of those guys. Still, Soupy, yourself, and, and uh, Stolly is there, Dylan Evans, there, all these guys were, were great D guys and, and great guys to be around. So Sid Smith, one of the best leaders around. So getting to, to kind of come into that group was, was pretty special. And, and, but it also obviously made it tough to, to kind of crack into just because of how, how well you guys play together. Well, I mean, and then what, I mean, we might as well skip ahead. Best year of your life. I get drafted to the Nighthawks. You got to be amped. You're pumped up. We know I'm moving down there. If I crack the team by the skin of my teeth, I get on the practice roster and move down, man. We got to talk about this house more. Cause I think, I think it's like, it's just not very, it's not talked about enough, but you find us this house on uh, Werner park, Werner park drive. Is that what it was? Yeah. Crescent, something like that. Yeah. And so, I mean, you got, you, you got it from a guy named big Mike from what I understand. Yeah. And wasn't there some, there's some NLL history with this house, isn't there? Yeah. A ton. So um, big Mike, uh, he's, he's good buddies with, with Sean Wilkins, the, the IT coach and, and junior John Grant. And so they, uh, he's always owned this house. And so I think he used to have guys living in there from the Nighthawks teams, like the early two thousands and, and things like that. So they, my brother can even cite, I guess when he was at school, probably 07, 08, he was, he was going down there and partying at this house um, with all these Nighthawks guys. And so it'd been in the house or been in the, the organization for a long time. So for us to kind of pass the torch to us was, was pretty big. And I think we, uh, we held our own. Yeah. There's uh well, and I remember there was hearing hearing stories of like those guys training, like they're having snowball fights in the house, building snowmen in there. So like, you know, there's, there's a lot of stories that come along with that place, but it was, uh, it was an all time home. And we had some, we had some bangers there too. Yeah. yeah it, it was huge in that house. I've just never seen a house this big. Like they yeah. had like three separate dining rooms, a big living room, five bedrooms upstairs. The size of this place was, I think it had, I guess, three floors because there was an attic with another like pretty big size room. So oh, the sketchiest fucking floor. In yeah. <laughs> Who was all living in there? Um, so it was first me, Danny, and Laskowitz were, were the ones living in there. Then uh Josh Courier made a made a appearance in there for a couple months when he was kind of rehabbing his knee. Joel Matthews had a, had a good stint there. Um, my buddy Tommy from the RIT hockey team was living with us. And so he was a, a huge beauty that was kind of doing the, he's bartending around town. And so he was a, a bad influence on us. And so, yeah, it was a good crew. It was, uh, yeah, fucking Laskowitz. I mean, this guy, Brad and I would get so mad every day because he would always fucking just cook chicken and rice. And this guy never cleaned one single pan. They are just sitting there with rice in them still like, and he's just, I, I love like Lasky's a beauty, but it's like moves slow as molasses. Never, never ready to go work out or go, go to the yeah. arena. Like. Process to get him going. 
And Dan, every morning you come downstairs and Dan is doing Laskowitz dishes because he's I, he's just a little anal about those dishes sitting in the sink. And so every morning Dan would be sitting there scrubbing dishes. I was like, what are you doing? Why are you doing his dishes for him? He's like, I can't, I can't stand it. I got to do it <laughs> every single morning. He's not going to learn if, uh, obviously he's got, he's living the good life. He's, he's putting yeah, he's the dishes got a, in the sink. I'm he's got clean. a slave doing it for him. But yeah, I think that was a bit of the OCD kicking in. But, and at this same time, we're like, cause we're obviously living there. Like we're working for the team. You're our boss, which is an all time setup. And I mean, walk us through kind of, and this is going to kind of like, it'll lead, I think eventually to, um, which we'll, something we'll chat about at the end, but like, what kind of, how did you want to start up like that box program? Like, did you kind of take some inspiration from somewhere else or like, what were you, what were your thoughts on that? Um, so yeah. So after, that year coaching at RIT, that's when I started working for the Nighthawks. And that's how I kind of had a visa to stay in there. I, I, I met my current fiance. And so I wanted to stay in Rochester. So that's uh, working for the, for the team full time, kept me there year round. Um, so that's, uh, I was, I was there for, I guess, almost a year at that point. And then um, players started moving in and, and working um, with the team as well. So that's when Dan got to move in and last quits. And so, I love that instead of me being by myself in the office, I got a, a couple of beauties to, to work with. And I, I technically, I guess as I'm the boss, just cause I'm the one that's, that's there full time and kind of knows what's, what's going on, I guess, trying to schedule us things and, and all that kind of good stuff. So that, uh, that, that kind of led me to, to kind of creating the programs. I initially, I'm just doing school programs and, um, going to assemblies and all that kind of stuff. But I wanted, always had kind of the goal of starting box programs there just because there was just such an opportunity. I thought there's so much lacrosse in Rochester, but nobody's really doing box the right way. So I uh, started slow and, and and started some programs with the junior Nighthawks. And once we started bringing teams to the junior NLL, that's when I kind of saw that there was some opportunity there um, for more programming. So started doing that stuff. And, and initially my, my goal was, to kind of mold it off the rock elite league, um, try to get players paired with knowledgeable box guys, ideally pros like, like myself and you that we can coach these guys. And then, um, but there's a ton of good uh, box across knowledge in, in Rochester, as far as American box guys. So I was able to kind of recruit a bunch of those guys and year after year, I just kind of built it a little bit more. Um, so that's kind of where I kind of all started. Um, just a, they're, they're paying me to kind of be down there and, and, try to create revenue and create more fan, box fans. So that's why I started it and more just, I, I saw a lot of opportunity. Hey, Paul, you want to, you want to dive into the Halifax move a little bit? Yeah. And then, I mean, we, we've touched on it with like a couple other guys, but, and obviously like, cause you started, did you start roots before you guys moved to Halifax? Uh, no, well, pretty much at the same time, kind of. Yeah. Um, I had been told kind of that um, the Nighthawks were moving. Um, so that's when my wheels kind of got turned a little bit that, Hey, I had just, I had just ran the league for the first time. My, my, the junior Nighthawks box league. And I think I had 130 kids, something like that. And so I was, wasn't going to kind of just let that go away. So um, that's when I started roots to kind of continue on the programs that I had just been building for, for the three years before that. So once I, I, I knew that we were moving, uh, I knew I was going to stay because that's where I kind of built my life. So um, it just kind of seamless transition. 
And then how was how was the move to Halifax? Like how was juggling both those things for you? Um, it's been great. I think that that first year in Halifax, as it's been noted, it's, it's we had something pretty special building. Um, and I, uh, I I thought it was pretty seamless. I I I have a lot of family out there in Halifax, so that's where um, a ton of excitement kind of happened for for my mom's side of the family to for me to be playing um, out there. It just seemed like something that would never happen being a, a team on the East coast and lacrosse. And then we saw, I guess a little backstory. I used to go to Nova Scotia every single year, my, my life for, for two weeks in the summer, my parents both met, went to Acadia and my mom grew up there. So we, uh, we had a lot of roots kind of in Halifax or in Nova Scotia. So for me to be playing um, in that city was pretty special for my mom and my, my Nana is still out there and aunt and uncles. So, that's uh, that made it, it kind of worthwhile to maybe a little bit more travel than I had been doing, but um, on top of everything that we're building and then you add that kind of kicker is made it pretty sweet. Yeah, for sure. But don't you think it'd be cool if you came back and played in Rochester just for like your fiance and stuff? Oh, no, no, I like that. uh, that's a fun tampering. tampering. <laughs> I just kidding, buddy. Um, where so and I'm just kind of like turning my wheels now. Roots Lacrosse, like where where did you come up with that name? Um, so my fiance's brother kind of just came up. With, uh, he just uh, we were just for a while spitballing names, um, and he had just kind of mentioned that word and and what do you think about that? And I was like, ah, that that could be kind of cool. Um, and it just kind of had a lot of crossover with kind of what I was building and, and trying to really build it from the grassroots. And um, obviously there's kind of a Canadian tie to it a little bit. And so I, uh, the more I, the more I said it, the more it, it kind of made sense. And I didn't want to do the, the, the old initial BG 10 lacrosse or anything like that. I just wasn't really a, a big fan of trying to do one of those or anything like that. So I, uh, I kind of just felt stuck with that once I heard the name then I could right when I heard the name I kind of thought of that logo as far as the the wooden lacrosse stick with the roots growing out of it I thought it could be a cool concept so that's where it kind of came from for sure man and then so obviously you've had like you say has like some good success and in, in building it where where you think where you think you want this to go kind of what's like the dream you know long term with it um yeah I mean Right now, I've it, it's it's grown pretty big. I've I've got league um, that goes from third grade all the way to grade eleven, and uh, with I think I got the two hundred and twenty kids right now on Monday nights um, that are coming and playing in this legitimate box league. So it's uh, it, I just want to continue to grow that league and, and and make it better and better. I think uh, it's it's what's really gonna have these kids take box to the next level as far as getting real game experience it, it's one thing to just do drills and drills and drills but when you can have these guys playing games on a week-to-week -week basis it, it it's fun for them and also they get a lot better doing it so that's uh the main thing and i i'd like to eventually try to really get in with with the towns of rochester and have them kind of individually doing some box a little bit more and and, and playing against each other and and things like that where just kind of like how they do in field right now there's youth field with at three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and they they do town lacrosse where the Pittsford plays Fairport. There's so many towns um, right around the city of Rochester that have so much lacrosse town, so much lacrosse history. So 
to really, they're, they're really starting to embrace the box already. Um, all these towns are popping up outdoor boxes and I think about seven of them have an outdoor box in their town. So getting them to, to really take it to the next level is a, is a goal of mine that, that really grow the box numbers in Rochester. And so between those two things, um, running a tournament and, and really making that um, as great as it can be is, is kind of the main goals. And then just the travel teams inside of, inside of things as well. Love it. So let's, uh, well, how, maybe a little more Halifax. What's, uh, all right, you got a big win Saturday night. What's the, uh, the boys are fired up in the room. What's the, what's, what's going on after the game? Where are we going? Uh, typically back to our hotel quick to, to kind of regroup. And then uh, there's a bunch of spots. Dirty Nellies, I think is, is, is the, is the best one. Um, that place is pretty awesome. Um, if you're really kind of feeling it, you, you go to the liquor dome there and that place is, is just a, a little bit greasier, I guess. It's a little bit more of like a club and, and, and dance floor aspect, but it's uh, it's always bumping pretty good. And those are the main two, but there's there's so much to do there. Um, there's a lot of spots where, where we can kind of find some find some fun. And um, yeah, those are the those are the main ones though. You've been eating more seafood out there or what? Yeah, the clam chowder is a big, a big hit when you when you arrive at our hotel. Um, you always get a I, I do a post-game poly, so I don't want Polly to judge me. I know he's uh he's a big healthy food guy and really likes to ensure that the rest of the guys are following suit. So I uh I remember him judging me pretty good when I ate the Eastside Mario's last time he was there. He was disappointed. <laughs> yeah, I, I felt bad for him for a week after that. So uh, you should get but, back on the east side. Get the whole team on east sides, clam chowder before, <laughs> during, and after. Just do your thing, man. Don't worry about we me. Get uh, we got to get chefs to we got to get chefs to expand out to Halifax and get a, get one of those going. So the boys are playing on the heavy cheese again. <laughs> That's good, man. What uh, you got? You got anything else for old Brad here, Polly? Any? Do we have anything else from uh, from I'm the looking- dog? Any uh, any other more insider? Oh, I I mean he t- he told me some story about uh, this pizza sub when you were a kid or something. I don't know. I was like Brad. I was like Sean. You got to give me some stories. He's like, oh, his famous story of Brad Gordon ordering a sub. Yeah, it's a stupid story, but I guess it's uh, we're doing our. I guess I mentioned it. We we would drive out to Nova Scotia every year, um, and so it's the seventeen hour drive and. Um, tensions are always high there with that. I think that trip was just my dad, me and my brother. So we were, uh, fighting like crazy, all that kind of stuff. And we stopped at subway and we're stopping in Quebec and, uh, you can't read any of the signs. I'm, I think I'm, I don't know how old I am. He'll probably say I'm 15, but I think I was eight <laughs> or nine. <laughs> this was last summer. But, uh, yeah. So, and then the only thing I could read on the sign was like a pizza sub. And so I ordered the pizza sub and, they, him and my dad get the the steaks or the chickens or whatever you always the, the good subs at subway and i open mine up and i'm just super disappointed in my order <laughs> and i'm like just hysterical that i order this pizza sub and i'm grumpy the rest of the way and so oh that, yeah that's that's yeah I, I didn't i did not really know what he was going for when he sent it to me but uh i'll, I'll say this so the last time we go out there um so a little payback for Sean there. So he, we drove out there a few, so like probably four summers ago and maybe a little bit more than that. But um, the three of us, again, we re- relived that, that trip. And 
Um, my dad and myself do all the driving. Um, Sean's not the best driver. So <laughs> Sean, so Sean was in the back seat the whole time and he's crammed in this back seat. We got the golf clubs. We got all, we got my mom's stuff that my mom's helping plan this wedding. So we got a ton of her crap that's for the wedding and he's kind of crammed up in there. And we get like, I had just done like a four hour shift, like through the night. I think it's like six in the morning. We're making our, our last stop. We have like two hours left and he's adamant he wants the front seat and I'm like no I'm getting some sleep I I I I just like drove through the night like I'm getting some sleep I'm staying in the front seat and he he is like going crazy what tell me he wants it so he's standing there at the front door I do the old press the unlock button once and so it only opens the 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 driver door and then hop across in there (laughs) lock the door. Kenny comes down, just get in the, in the back seat, Sean. And so the rest of the drive, Sean did the, the earphones on his, his iPod was dead or his iPhone was dead, but he pretended that he had music going the whole time. And in time, like, <laughs> he was grumpy, but me and my dad would be like, my dad would be like probing. I'm trying to say something. He'd be like, what? I can't hear you. Like pretending he had music on. He had no music on the whole time. That's all time. Just a little brother. Goopy pants in the back. <laughs> That's so funny. But uh, I think, I mean, we'll, we'll maybe talk about releasing that. Uh, Cause we, we talked in the, in the Lazy interview about the uh, St. Patty's day party we had and you flipped me over a video. We may have to talk about putting that video out onto to the, into, into the interweb there. But I mean, give me your memories of that day. That was a good one. I, we had all the boys there and then I think we're a couple years out. So we, uh, all the RIT team came down. Um, so on top of just kind of all, all my buddies that we had over that day, I think 18 of the RIT lacrosse team come to the house. And so it's, uh, it's definitely a, a big party at that point. And then we go downtown and you, cause you start so early, it, you just, you, you burn out. And so when we come back to the house, it's just like the walking dead in our living room. And uh, that video I we can see it. I don't know. I, I guess it's not too bad, but you just see a bunch of dead guys just all around the room. Just, and I think it's like seven o'clock at, at, at night and everybody's <laughs> already toast. And so it's, uh, it was just one of those typical St. Patty's day parade type thing. And we had never got to really experience it much at our IT. We were always playing. Um, so I think that one might've been my first one to ever be a part of too, because our bye week lined up and it just happened to work out. So we'd always come back from our IT and my brother would, had just experienced the parade all day and we'd come back from like Albany playing RPI and and he's just in rare form so we never really got to experience it that was our first time and it was a good one yeah all time that's uh yeah they do, that one. Big, they do it big though it's a it's a big day for for Rochester the it's I think it's one of the biggest parties of the year is their St. Patty's Day Parade when they do the big what is it like a lot like is it a lilac festival or something yeah that's a little bit more like family family um, yeah kind of thing where it's like a carnival type thing in the in a park so and concerts all that stuff good stuff well yeah i i mean i'm not i'm trying to look at the list here and any and anything else i mean there's definitely some stories we're not telling um but uh we're not getting into but is there anything else donnie you got anything for him is just a couple oakville boys chopping it up yeah no i got nothing thanks for coming on um was, you made me think of uh, when you're talking about the buzz, the old Maple Grove Arena days. And uh, those are good times. Maple Grove's like a block from my house. So growing up watching the buzz and those old like silk jerseys, it looked like uh, those are good times. So, yeah, thanks for coming on. 
going to that far corner and hammering the hammering the ball against the, the oh yeah just losing interest in the game like five minutes in when you're like eight years <laughs> yeah, old just ball, ripping ball, it around <laughs> we uh quick my brother and i went to a game there once and my mom was gassed so she went home and i don't i think it might have been before your time but so my brother's like maybe 13 and i'm like eight and this like massive brawl breaks out i think it was halton hills and like guys are getting suckered and parents are getting into it and my brother's like responsible for getting me home <laughs> and like we get home my brother's in tears i'm in tears like everyone's just so <laughs> and my mom was like what am i doing and uh yeah those are good times yeah, what are, what are, yeah. Are, it was like when Will Ferrell and John C. Riley come home from Step Brothers. Oh, exactly. Yeah, we're gonna take a long way home next time. <laughs> Why would you let us do that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's awesome. So. All right, man. Well, listen. Yeah, keep it up with uh, with Roots and everything you're doing there. Obviously, it's uh, I think it's having a more of an impact on the community than I, you'll probably know day to day. But I think that's uh, I think that's awesome stuff. And good luck this year. Not too much luck. Um, when the Tidemen are around, but uh, yeah, we wish you the best, man. Hopefully, all the boys are, are keeping well in Halifax. Appreciate that. Hey, love what you guys are doing. I uh, I listen every week, and and I'm sure you guys are getting fluffed a bunch, but I uh, I I'm really enjoying it. So I'm proud of you guys for for what you're doing. Thanks, Appreciate man. It. We'll we'll never take uh, we can never get fluffed enough. So yeah, just keep it. Coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've never been a guy to to say no to a little fluffing here and there. So. <laughs> That's awesome. We'll have to, uh, we actually talked about it. Um, maybe, uh, maybe have guild dog do like every two weeks to come on and just give us a crazy story for like a 15 minute. We're going to give him maybe like a 15 minute window <laughs> to tell a story. Gotta get, I would 15 is too much. Yeah. I would start it low and yeah. cause you know, he's going over. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We may have to just get him to do a, uh, a full Jersey tour with a mic in his hand, <laughs> with a mic in his hand. <laughs> but all right. Beauty, man. Right. Well, thanks for thanks for jumping on. We'll chat with you soon. Thanks, yeah, Brad. You guys soon. That's it. That's our boy Brad Gillies. What a chat. What a roommate. What a boss. What a teammate. What a guy. Polly, what uh you got anything else, buddy? Oh, wait. But One dude- thing. Are you a Yellowstone guy? Did we talk about this yet? Oh buddy no dude i almost had to turn it off it was dude it was (laughs) it was so intense i was like sweating that opening scene might be one of the best opening scenes i was just i was sparked absolutely sparked i was getting anxious it was it was so intense but yeah what uh we're in for one here yeah i i'm loving i've watched both but i watched both episodes back twice already yeah yeah, yeah, they're just uh, they're so good. I wish they fucking would release them all, but it's uh, it's probably better for us that we're they're kind of chipping away. Do you know if they're doing one a week now or what? Yeah, every Sunday, every Sunday, just one. Like, but they just released two the first time. Yeah, well, that's what it said, and then also they released two on Sunday. So I mean, they're releasing a episode, maybe two, but there's a new episode every Sunday. For uh, how many, I don't I have no idea, but yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be juicy. Good little season here. Yeah. Yeah, I'm juiced up, pumped about it. But all right, well, we got uh, we got some some camp this weekend. Are you guys playing this weekend or no? No, just a couple practices. Nice. We got the Riptide. I think we got a game. We got a game, I believe. I don't know who we're playing. Um, I should know who we're playing, but we go Friday night, nine thirty to eleven thirty. Yikes! And then at nine a.m. the next day again. So it's a quick turnaround for the fellas. But you build a little adversity early. I'll tell you what, the boys will be buzzing. So. 
Um, excited to, to jump in for this weekend. Hopefully some of the boys while they're traveling for camp can listen to the episode. That's a lot of the view. That's a lot of the reviews I've been getting guys got to camp. They were like, Holy fuck. I just listened to your voice for two hours. I don't want to see you anymore. So, um, yeah, again, good luck to the guys going out to camp today. Fucking give her tits. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. You got, you got anything else? No, I guess, uh, well, just, uh, congratulations to the Brock Badgers on the, uh, Gataway cup. Um, fortunately I didn't get to watch the game, but looked like a hell of a game. 10, nine overtime, couple of others, couple Rochester Nighthawks on both teams, but yeah, congrats to the Brock, the Brock Badgers back to the uh, promised land. I love it. It's good. All right. Beauty. Well, I didn't make it this year. Yeah. I was going to say they were, uh, they must have lost in the bronze. Eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's good. Okay. All right. Well, that does it for episode 25. We'll, uh, We'll check back with you next week. We'll chat with you. Peace. Take your first ride and run, baby, run. If you want to sign, this is it. You're mad, your magic, you're as hard as a gun. You want to play with fire, consider this. You'll chase the thrill if it's worth the hit Cause you never ever wanna work for it Take your first ride and run, baby run You got a spine of steel and a roar of thunder Desert moon